Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Question. If you could always see the big picture, if you could always see the greater vision, if you could always see the future outcome, what would you be willing to overcome? What would you be willing to endure? What would you stop whining about? If you could always see the big picture, the greater vision, the final outcome, what's rising up against you right now? What's currently a part of your normal that maybe feels useless or downright ineffective? What feels hopeless or maybe even impossible in your world? What moments this week, this month, this year, this season, maybe even this morning, tried to convince you that your life has no purpose, no value, no hope? Because here's the problem. We often succumb to the darkness of today because we can't see the light of tomorrow. The darkness of this moment or these moments fill us with fear, fill us with doubt, fill us with worry. We succumb to the darkness of today because we can't see the light of tomorrow, but what if we could? What if we could always see the light of tomorrow? John 8, 12, then Jesus said, I, I'm the light. I'm the light to the world and to those who embrace me, they will experience life-giving light. And they will sometimes, occasionally, no, They will never, never walk in darkness. If you could always see the big picture, the greater vision, the future outcome, what would you be willing to overcome? What would you be willing to face today with a renewed sense of courage, a renewed sense of obedience, a renewed sense of diligence, passion, drive? Because reality is me living in my perception of what currently is. But faith is me living in my perception of what will be. Reality is me living in my perception of what currently is happening in my day-to-day. But faith is me living in my perception of what will be. Eating bugs is gross. I struggled for a while to figure out what am I going to call the next three weeks of talks at Evolve Church, and where I landed is on this. Eating bugs is gross. There's a story in the book of Mark, which is in the second half of the Bible. From the first century, one of Jesus' followers, a guy named Mark, wrote a letter, and in that, in that writing down, what he did is he shared his personal firsthand experiences with Jesus. And in the very first part of what Mark wrote down, what we call Mark chapter 1, there's a story about a guy named John the Baptist. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 1. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the, the beginning of that story, the anointed one, the liberating king, the son of God. Isaiah the prophet told us what would happen before Jesus came. Isaiah actually wrote down 
hundreds of years before. He said, watch, I'm going to send a messenger in front of you to prepare your way, make it clear, make it straight. You'll hear him, the messenger, a voice crying in the wilderness. And was, when, when a prophet named Isaiah wrote that, he was actually talking about this guy, John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus to come. And that messenger, John the Baptist, appeared in the desert near the Jordan River, preaching that people should be ritually cleansed through baptism with water as a sign of both their changed hearts and a sign of God's forgiveness of sins. People came from across the countryside of Judea and from the city of Jerusalem, came to him and confessed that they were deeply flawed and needed help. So John cleansed them with water in the Jordan River. And here's what it says about John. John dressed as some of the Hebrew prophets had. He, he wore clothes made of camel's hair hmm, with a leather belt around his waist. And he made his meals in the desert from locusts and wild honey. He preached a message. Not much is known about John the Baptist, but I do find it interesting when the Bible shares information about somebody, the kinds of things it shares. And uh, as I was reading through the first chapter in Mark, I had this moment where I was like, you know John? Who? Desert John. Sorry. Uh, come again? You know, camel hair, robe guy? Yeah, I don't follow you. Bug eating John, that guy? Oh, that John, the locust guy, right? Locust dipped in honey. Tasty. Eating bugs is gross. And what is important about John's desert experience that the Bible felt, Mark felt it necessary to include that detail. Matter of fact, we actually read about this very same encounter in the desert of John the Baptist baptizing people. We can read about it in, in a book called Matthew and also in a book called Luke. Um, three of Jesus' disciples wrote down their firsthand accounts and three of them included this narrative about John the, John the Baptist in the desert eating bugs. Eating bugs is gross. I know firsthand because I've eaten a few bugs in my lifetime. Anybody here in the room ever eaten a bug? A few hands raised. Anybody in the room here suspect that while you were sleeping one night, a spider crawled into your mouth? And I know. It's gross, I'm telling you. I've eaten a few bugs in my lifetime, some completely accidental, simply a product of the environment that I was in. You know, a few years ago, my wife and children gave me a, a new bicycle for Father's Day, and I love my bicycle. It is a matte black, brown leather handles, brown leather saddle, European Dutch cruiser, like the one that my opa used to ride. It's got a bell. It's a beautiful bell. It's got a cup holder. My bike has a cup holder. has a little uh, rack on the back that I can put a basket on. I can put my dog in that basket. And I ride around um, on my bike. And I, I, when I'm riding, it's quite hilarious because I'm six foot six, and I sit upright on my bike. Like, I don't have to lean over. And uh, I, I'm a sight to behold on my, on my bike. And uh, in the springtime, I was out for a bike ride in the evening here in Edmonton. And just like enjoying new life, new city, soaking it all in, I was probably talking to myself because I do that sometimes, or singing a song because I do that sometimes. But my mouth was open. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Bugs. I think I hit a patch of, I don't know what they were, but it was like, right? And my serene moment of, like, bike riding bliss turned into chaos quickly because of a mouthful of bugs. I did not plan on eating those bugs. I had no intention of eating those bugs. Those bugs simply filled my mouth 
based on the fact that I'm alive and well on planet Earth and sometimes bugs happen. Another incident, um, you know, I spent a lot of years hanging out with teenagers when I was living in Winnipeg. And I've done some wild and crazy things as a youth pastor. Um, one of them involved me, well, do you know what a hornworm is? Anybody know what a hornworm is? I have a picture of a hornworm. That's a hornworm. They're also called a tobacco worm or a tomato worm. And they're quite large. You can see it's the size of that dude's, or maybe, late, I think it's a dude's finger. Um, and they're like bluish green in color. And we did a youth event that involved like random crazy things uh, that teenagers had to do. And, and like it was like a kind of a fear factor kind of thing. And in that youth group, um, nobody was interested in eating a hornworm because that was the challenge. They had to eat the hornworm. And, and I'm in a large area with like hundreds of teenagers and all of a sudden a plate with a hornworm on it was put in front of my face. And the room began to erupt in, in like chanting my name. John O, John O, John O, John So I, I have a little video clip. Sadly, it doesn't have any audio, but I'm going to talk you through it. Um, this is me. It's not a body double. I have a cup of coffee in my hand, well, because that's normal. Um, I drink coffee. And all of a sudden, that plate's in front of me, and there it goes, down the hatch. I ate a hornworm. I chewed it once, and then I chased it down with a cup of coffee. And uh, so that is um, evidence of me eating a hornworm. And uh, sadly, you can't hear. The place erupts in cheers. And the place went crazy, and my street cred went through the roof because Pastor John O., ate a hornworm. But it was disgusting. And I chose to do it. And that choice had consequences. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say much other than that. But I can tell you straight up firsthand through personal experience that eating bugs is gross. If you could always see the big picture, the greater vision, the future outcome, what would you be willing to endure? What would you be willing to overcome? Some of you are wondering right now, what does bugs have to do with this? I'll land the plane, don't worry. But do you think that John the Baptist saw the bigger picture in his desert season, eating bugs? Do you think he saw the bigger picture? Do you think he confidently stepped into that season with authority because he's like, there was a prophecy written about me, this, this letter years ago that said I was going to come, I'm going to be the guy preparing the way for Jesus. Do you think John had a greater sense of how to endure a desert bug-eating experience. In Mark 1, after reading about John the Baptist in the desert, baptizing people, eating bugs, later on we read that Jesus showed up on the scene and asked John to baptize him. And after that, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan and he overcomes. And after that, Jesus hand-selects a group of 12 people to do life with and to lead and help grow and from that point on, Jesus begins to perform miracles and do wild things that turn the then-known world upside down. Do you think John, in the desert, eating bugs, saw the big picture of what that season meant for the future? Later on in Mark chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, after John is baptizing, after Jesus gets baptized, after Jesus goes into the wilderness and gets tempted, after Jesus selects his disciples and then starts doing wild and crazy things in the name of God. Here's what it says. The crowd was awestruck and unable to stop saying among themselves about Jesus, 
What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, Jesus commands demons to come out and they obey him. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in the region of Galilee. What if John the Baptist's obedience in his bug-eating desert season facilitated the opportunity for many to encounter Jesus firsthand? If you could always see the big picture, the greater vision, the future outcome, what would you be willing to overcome? And what if John's season in the desert, season of obscurity, season of hardship, season of being made fun of, season of wearing camel hair and eating bugs, what if that difficult season facilitated the opportunity for many people, wildfire spread throughout the entire country, many people to encounter Jesus for themselves? Notice what happens right after I swallow the hornworm video. Watch this again. Notice what happens. Emily's saying no with the, with the screen. If you, did our screen die? Okay. All right. Maybe it'll come back to life. What happens in the video that you might not have noticed is I ate the hornworm. I swallowed the hornworm. I took a sip of coffee. And then five other teenagers within seconds reached to the plate and grabbed hornworm and started eating it. And I didn't even know that. This happened over five years ago. And in reviewing the video this week, I was like, wait a second. All those teenagers are like, oh, if Jono can do it, maybe I can do it too. And they dove right in like it was nobody's business and just popped those suckers into their mouth like they were eating candy. And they tell me, it was not candy. It was gigantic hornworm. What is it about somebody being willing to go there? Where's there? Wherever there is difficult, hard, pressure, weight, fear, worry, anxiety, work through it, overcome it. What is it about our overcoming that allows other people to lean in and go, if they can do it, maybe I can too. Look at the others in that video who suddenly overcame their fear of hornworms and just slid them down their throats. I don't know. We read about John, this bug-eating perspective from not only Mark, but also from Matthew and from Luke And Matthew makes note of something that happened in this encounter that I want to share with you in Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized. But when Jesus waded into the water, here's where it gets interesting. John resisted Jesus, saying, why are you doing this? I'm I'm John. You're you're Jesus. Why, Why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And yet, you come to me, to be baptized? And Jesus replied, it's only right to do all that God requires. So then John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realms opened up over Jesus, and they saw the Holy Spirit descend out of heaven, rest upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and then suddenly a voice, the voice of the Father, Shouts from the sky saying, this is my son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. You know, in order for Jesus to do what only Jesus could do, he needed to get baptized. He needed to step into the Jordan, go under the water as an acknowledgement that he was making a way for all of us. That's where it started. After Jesus was baptized, he went into the desert, he got tempted, he gathered his disciples, and he started doing his thing. But it began with this Jordan River encounter with John 
the Baptist. And we see John's struggle here, his objection, his resistance. Jesus, who am I? I'm not worthy. This feels impossible. This doesn't make sense. But Jesus says as a response to John's objections, John, I cannot thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be right now in me. I can't thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be right now in me. John walked out this day-to-day experience of his desert season in light of the big picture. Maybe, just maybe, if, if I work through this bug-eating season, it'll facilitate an opportunity for many to encounter Jesus firsthand. And let's call what you're working through right now, let's call what you're sensing and feeling in your life, let's call your day-to-day routine that feels impossible or difficult or hard, or that catches your breath in your throat because it's, it's too much. Let's call that your desert or your, your bug-eating experience. If John the Baptist's persistence and obedience in his eating bug desert season facilitated the opportunity for many others to encounter Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, you and I could always see the big picture, always see the greater vision, always see the future outcome. But what would we be willing to overcome? Eating bugs is gross. What bugs are you eating right now? What's rising up against you? What's currently a part of your normal that maybe feels useless or futile or downright ineffective? What feels hopeless or impossible in your world? What moments this week, this month, this year, this season, or perhaps even this morning tried to convince you that your life has no purpose, no value, no hope? We often succumb to the darkness of today because we can't see the light of tomorrow. But what if we could? What if we could always see the light of tomorrow? What if we leaned into figuring out what it means to abide in, rest in the light of Jesus? John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. Sometimes I eat bugs as a result of the environment I'm in, and other times I've eaten bugs of my own free will. I've chosen to eat a hornworm. Sometimes I eat bugs because it's environmental. It's a product of the world I live in. I'm just minding my own business on my bicycle when wham! A flock of geese-sized mosquitoes hit me right in the face. And other times I've eaten bugs because I chose to eat those bugs. I wanted to do it. I was intentional about it. Regardless of me choosing that and its consequences, I just popped that bug into my mouth. Well, you know what? Sometimes I experience darkness as a result of my environment. Sometimes I go through something that's difficult just because I'm alive on planet Earth, and planet Earth is broken, people. There is an enemy. His MO is steal, kill, destroy. That hasn't changed. And sometimes I experience dark things simply because it's environmental. I live here on planet Earth. You want to know what else? Sometimes I experience dark things because I chose it. With my free will, I intended to eat it. 
choices and consequences equal sometimes darkness. Sometimes I experience darkness as a result of my environment. Sometimes I experience darkness as a result of my own choosing. Either way, Jesus is still the light of the world, and abiding in Jesus is the key to experience that life-giving light. Jesus says to each of us today in response to our objections, because there's pushback. When we hear about Jesus being light for our darkness, there's pushback. Much like John the Baptist's pushback, we tend to say the same thing, who am I? I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. This sounds too good to be true. You speak in terms of grace and forgiveness and mercy and strength and hope, but not for me. It must be for somebody else. But Jesus says, no, this is my gift to you also, son. My gift to you also, daughter. And to you, Jesus today says, I can't thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be right now in me. Reality is me living in my perception of what currently is. This is dark. I'm eating bugs. Faith is me stepping and living and walking and acting and behaving in a way of my perception of what will be one day. What's been promised to me. Leaning into my future and the hope that's there. Leaning into my future and the life that is there. Leaning into my future and the promise that is there. The good news, Jesus Christ, light of the world. Our individual experiences in this lifetime are seasons of hard, are seasons of pain, hurt, disappointment. They're gross. And let's face it, they're way more gross than me eating a hornworm. Way more. But what if, what if our persistence, what if our obedience, what if our willingness to overcome in this bug-eating desert season facilitates the opportunity for many to encounter Jesus firsthand? I heard a story this week about a a woman whose life was changed simply because she watched somebody else go through something that on the surface looked impossible. And yet she saw her friend walk through with hope and victory. Your persistence in abiding in the light of Jesus in your current season will make a way for others to encounter the richness of God's presence in their own life. Do not succumb to the darkness of today. See the light of tomorrow. All this stuff that feels like it's happening to you, well, it's actually not even about you. What? It's not even about you. All this stuff that you feel like is going on and happening to you, it's not even about you. It's simply an indication of what God wants to do through you. If you would lean into the light, if you would abide in, rest in, experience the light of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, what we're walking through today is going to help others encounter Jesus for themselves. You are not on hold. I don't know who this is for, but this is for somebody. You're not in a holding pattern. You're not on hold right now. Maybe the season that you're in has been a long one and a really dark one. And maybe the taste of bug has become normal to you. But you're not on hold. You're not in a holding pattern. You are where you are meant to be. 
in the middle of his perfect will, even if you can't see it, because Jesus says, I cannot thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be right now, abiding in me. So as I close, I leave you with this thought. A patient, big picture, Jesus-centered life has us, you and I, trusting God right now in the middle of, of what we perceive is happening to us because we're unwavering in our confident hope of what God wants to accomplish through us. And so to lean into the light means we get our eyes off of what's happening to us. And we choose to see the big picture. We choose to see the greater victory. We, we, we choose to see what's coming in faith. That my story, my, my darkness, my desert experience, my, my bug eating here and now, it fits in the timeline of what God's been doing before me and what he's going to do after me. Because it's not about what's happening to me. It's about what God longs to do through me. My reality is me living in my perception of what is, but faith is me living in my perception of what will be, what's yet to come. Because God's not finished. And today, faith, you know what it does? It sees the big picture. And faith remembers that someone created me, and that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there is someone who died to pick me up, someone who rose to fix me up, someone who's coming back to lift me up, and that someone is Jesus. See, God made me and you for a purpose, and when we delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Next week, I want to talk about eating bugs, how to have faith for what's yet to come when I'm walking through something that's simply the product of the broken world that we live in. And the week after, I want to talk to you about your persistence in, in a bug-eating season when you're walking through something that's the result of a choice you made. But there's still light. There's still hope. There's still faith. There's still the ability to overcome because whether I'm in darkness based on environmental situations or in darkness based on something I chose, Jesus is still the light of the world. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word that we could look to a historical account of a man named John. And we see how a season of obscurity of living in the desert, of eating bugs. Man, thousands of years later, we read that he ate bugs. But he did that with obedience, with sacrifice, with commitment. And it unleashed and unlocked what became Jesus' story, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' example. And what's important for us to remember today is that it happened quickly. It happened quickly. That John was obedient. He pushed through and persisted despite his 
push back in his fears and his, I'm not worthy. And Jesus was baptized and gathered together a team and quickly began to make a difference in the then known world that exploded throughout Galilee, that exploded throughout the land. And many were able to encounter the life and the hope of Jesus because of John's obedience. And I can't help today, God, but sense that in this room are your sons and your daughters who are in a season that feels dark, that feels like the desert. And so as we remind ourselves today of John's story and Jesus' story, I ask that we would see the big picture quickly, that we would see the greater purpose quickly, we would see the, the larger vision quickly, that what you're doing through us right now, what you're working out through us as we learn to rest in you, as we learn to abide in you, that many are going to encounter Jesus for themselves because of our season. Help us see the greater picture, the greater vision. Help us to have faith and then respond as we live out that perception in our day-to-day -day life. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.